So today, um, my title today is Joseph's Brothers Return to Egypt. Remember last time, we talked about Joseph's Brothers going to Egypt. And what did they do when they got there? They got in line to see the uh, governor of Egypt because they needed food. And they bowed their faces before him and they did not know that it was Joseph. Most likely because Joseph was dressed as a common Egyptian. Joseph was most likely a young boy. And by young boy, somewhere around 17 years of age when he was sold into slavery. So, as his brothers were all older than him, or mostly older than him, they were older men at that point, and so they perhaps went through less changes in appearance than did Joseph. But one way or the other, they didn't recognize him, but they did exactly what Joseph's dreams had said they would. Um, and so it's just really interesting how it transpired. And then Joseph sent them back uh, with their grain and with the money that they had. And he said, if you come again, I want you to bring your brother. So the situation that we're going into tonight is a situation where Remember, Abraham or Joseph's father had already said, I don't want you to bring Benjamin because you already took Joseph from me. And if you take Benjamin, there's nothing for me to live for. Which, if you're one of the other sons, that's kind of demoralizing to hear, which again is why it's not good for parents to pick favorites. So just um, uh, an important admonition right off the top. Picking favorites, not a good idea. Um, so we're going to read, first of all, the first 14 verses. We're going to see both a tough decision and a promise made. So um, Genesis 43, verse 1 says, And the famine was sore in the land... And it came to pass, when they had eaten up the corn, which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said, go again and buy us a little food. So the corn ran out. And Judah spake unto him and said, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, You shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, You shall not see my face, except your brother go with you. And Israel said, Wherefore have you dealt so ill with me, as to tell the man whether you had a brother? And they said, The man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive, and have ye another brother? And we told them according to the tenor of these words, could we certainly know that he would say, bring down your brother, or bring your brother down? Um, and Judah said unto Israel, his father, 
Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him, if I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. For except we had lingered surely, for except we had lingered surely, we had returned this second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels, and carry down every man a present, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds. And take double the money in your, in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks. Carry it again with your hand. Peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise and go unto the man, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And so, um, we have this situation where they got food from Joseph. And the food didn't last. You know, it's interesting, as rich as Jacob was, because he he obviously had some wealth, because he talked about all these gifts that he was going to give Joseph, he couldn't feed his family. He was in a desperate situation that he himself could not remedy. And when it became apparent that he did not want to send Benjamin. There was nothing they could do. Um, And I I find it interesting that they immediately say, you know, he said, we we were not going to see his face unless our brother is with us. And I find it interesting that um, he, he says to them, uh, why did he, Israel says, Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me as to tell the man whether you had a brother? And they said, The man asked us straightly our state, and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive, and have you another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words. Um, how could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? But I, you know, if they weren't so afraid of him for being a leader, they might have stopped to think, Why is he asking these specific questions. He asked those specific questions because he was the son of their father, because he knew about their brother. This is why he was asking these questions, because he knew the answers to them. But, um, so, the situation is such that um, now they're in a situation where they have to bring Benjamin, or they're not going to get their food. Now, um, there's there's an interesting spiritual application to this, I think, and that is, um, I think we often as believers, when we're desperate for something, we cry out to God. But when life is going pretty well, we don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about God in the equation. 
But it's interesting how God can bring anyone, even someone rich like Israel, to the point of desperation. To the point of needing to trust Him. It's also, I hope it shows a change in character for the brothers too. That they were dishonest with their father about their brother Joseph. But yet when they're talking about this governor of Egypt and he asked these pointed questions, they said we had no choice but to answer him truthfully. So I, I would hope that means that they were turning a corner as far as their character is concerned. Um, but this is the situation. Um, in desperation, desperate times call for desperate measures. So what happens? Um, Judah says unto Israel, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I will be sure of him, and by my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. So we have a situation where he says, I'm willing to bear the blame. You can punish me um, if I don't bring back Benjamin alive. He said, I know this is important, but we also have to live. We have to be cared for. And so, and then he says, we wouldn't have waited this long Basically, if it wasn't for the fact that you told us not to bring Benjamin down. And so their father says, if it must be, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land, in your vessels, and carry down every man a, um, and carry down to the man a present. A little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds. And so he says, take all this stuff. And then take double the money in your hand um, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks. Carry it again in your hand. Per avenger, it was an oversight. So he says, maybe it was a mistake that you got your money back. So just bring it all back to him plus bonus money and just go. Take your brother, arise and go. And then he says, God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send you send away your other brother and Benjamin if I be bereaved of my children I am bereaved so we have the situation where he says finally take Benjamin and if God chooses to take Benjamin then I need to then we'll deal with it when it happens but this is the situation and so and so, um, so they take, um, so this is the situation. He says, whatever happens, happens. Um, I hope that God gives you favor. So it's interesting that even though um, Jacob was a trickster in his youth, even though he's gone through all these Trials, he still ultimately is coming back to a place of trust in God Almighty. And he says, may God take care of your brother. 
Um, and so I wonder if we might look at cross-references, and I have two. One is Proverbs 16, 18, and one is 1 Timothy 5, 8. If someone could read the Proverbs passage first, and then someone else could read the 1 Timothy passage, Proverbs 16, 18, and 1 Timothy 5, 8. Uh, 18, you said? Proverbs 16, 18, yes. Uh, pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Okay, and First Timothy five eight. If anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So first we see that pride goes before a fall. What happened to these brothers? They were proud. They didn't like Joseph stealing. Uh, their popularity, and basically their birthright. Joseph had been given a special coat of many colors. That showed that he was a favored son. And I'm sure a bunch of those older boys were like, that, that, that's our status. And a matter of fact, when he told them the dream, they, they said, we'll never bow down to you. And now, unbeknownst to them, they're fearing for their brother's life are for two brothers' lives, actually, but they're fearing Joseph because now he's the governor of Egypt because his dream indeed came true. And then 1 Timothy 5.8, I just put in there because I think about Jacob's place. You know, out of deference to Jacob as the patriarch of the family, they, they said, we, okay, we won't take Benjamin, but we won't go up without him because we put ourselves in danger to do so, but then Jacob realizes, Israel realizes, my family's starving, I need to get grain, so take Benjamin and go. And I just think about how that must have been a, a, a horrific decision. And then the promise of Judah to take care of his brother, which is, which is kind of antithetical to how they took care of Joseph. Because they threw Joseph in a pit and then they sold him into slavery. I think the kind of the words they used back then were to let us be done with this dreamer. But again, hopefully lessons are being learned. One of the many interesting stories in the Bible is that of Elijah and the ravens. You remember that God sent the ravens to bring his servant food when he was at the brook hiding from Ahab. Sometimes we seem to think, think that such wonderful things happened long ago, but they do not happen anymore. But in this we are mistaken. God still cares for his people. He is always near when they need him. David Brainerd was a famous missionary who went to the Indians to preach the gospel. As a result of his labor, many of the Indians came to know their Savior. Brainerd was a man of prayer. In his diary, he tells of his experiences on the many travels, and he often mentions how the Lord heard and answered his prayers. One day, in one of his many journeys to visit an Indian tribe, he was overtaken by a, a severe storm. He looked for a place of shelter and eventually found one in a hollow log of a very large tree. Well, there he prayed for the Indians, and also that the Lord would take care of him and his needs. 
When mealtime came, he was hungry, but there was nothing to eat. He noticed a squirrel approaching the tree. The squirrel chattered a while. When the little animal disappeared, Rainer noticed that he had left a few nuts behind. The missionary ate the nuts. Three days the storm continued, and for three days, Brainerd remained in the log. Each day the squirrel came to deposit some nuts at the entrance. David Brainerd knew the Lord had sent the squirrel. And I just I think about that in the context of this story because the, the, the brothers and, and their father did not realize that God had sent Joseph ahead of them to um, provide for them. As a matter of fact, Joseph will later say, what you intended for evil, God meant for good to save much people alive. The reason the nation of Israel is alive, alive to this day is because they were saved from famine. So I just I thought that was very encouraging and very applicable for us. We don't know how God works. Sometimes we look around and we say, God, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. And some stuff will never make sense this side of heaven. But when we get to heaven, when we see the end from the beginning, when we see him as he is, we will understand much more what we've gone through here on earth. And um, I just thank God for his sovereignty and his faithfulness. So... um, My second point, my first point was um, a tough decision and a promise. My second point is restrained excitement and genuine fear. Genesis forty three fifteen to 22. Genesis forty three fifteen. And the men took their present and took double the money in their hand and Benjamin and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, Bring these men home and slay and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the men did as Joseph bade, and the men brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house and said, Because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondmen and our asses. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, um, and they communed with him at the door of the house, and said, O sir, we are come indeed down in the first time to buy food. We, we We came indeed down in the first time to buy food. And it came to pass, when we came to the inn, that we opened our sacks. And behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sacks, our money in full weight, and we have brought it again unto in again in our hand. And other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put the money in our sacks. And he said, Peace to peace be unto you. Fear not, your God and the God of your fathers have given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out to them. So Simeon has been in jail as as an assurance that Benjamin would come back. And um, yet they were still um, reluctant to bring Benjamin because of the things outlined. You know, Benjamin and Joseph were 
the children of Rachel, and Rachel was the one that Jacob loved. Um, so that was why they were so important to him. But I just I find it interesting the way the way he deals with this situation um, because he says your God gave you um, this treasure in your sacks. I had your money. So he is implying, I had the money that I needed from you. God put the money back in your sacks. Um, and then he says, but he also says, peace be, be to you. And I think it's interesting that Joseph opens up the dialogue this way because if anybody has a right to be bitter and resentful of of people in his life, it's Joseph. Because these people treated him wrongly, they sold him into slavery, and um, they were just totally mean to him, blew him off when he told them about his dream, and yet his response is, peace be unto you. And um, this whole time, He's restraining himself from letting them know who he is. Now, I, I don't know how he did that because if it was somebody that I had known for a long time or hadn't seen for a long time, I would not be able to, to restrain myself. Um, there are other reasons I never took up poker, obviously, but, the, but, but a, an aside reason is because I would have the most horrible poker face ever. You can, you can usually read my emotions on my face. If I'm having a good day, you can tell. If I'm having a bad day, you can certainly tell. So I do not know, for, I do not know how Joseph kept um, himself in check. Um, but I, I just like the picture kind of, of the way Jesus responds to us. Because I think about how Paul said that um, that God will give you exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. And you think about how um, Joseph gave them their food and then he gave them back their money. And it's interesting how even though he has yet to, re yet to reveal himself to them, he still gives glory to God because he said, Your God has put this treasure in your hands. You know, I think about um, the fact that when Joseph was appointed, it was because the Pharaoh wanted somebody with the Spirit of God in him. That was the main criteria. And so, um, Joseph is that man. And you can just see in the way that he deals with his parent, that deals with his brothers, that he has God um, at the forefront of um, of what he is talking about here. And um, if we can look at Titus two seven and eight, Titus two seven and eight, I think there's a good application for us in these verses and kind of ties into our story here. So if somebody has that, Titus 2, 7, and 8. In all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds, 
with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. All right, well, you see that Joseph did this in every place where he went. He went to um, be a slave, and he became a head, uh, a head slave because he was beyond reproach and he was trustworthy. When he went to prison, um, he very well could have been beheaded if Potiphar actually believed that he had wronged his wife, but he was put in prison and he was elevated to a place of leadership there. And then when he, um, when he does... Uh, when he goes to the prison, he's put in, in the head of the prison. And now that he's the governor of Egypt, he has the power to make his brothers pay for what they did, but he doesn't. Again, he shows himself to be a man of character, a man above reproach. And I think that if there was ever a story in the Bible that showed um, kind of the truth of um, the common phrase that it's not what happens to somebody that defines them, but how they respond to it. Um, it would be this story. And you just think about the fact that um, God says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And what is the good that is, that is trying to be worked out in that case? To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the goal of the Christian life. And sometimes it happens through rough circumstances. As a matter of fact, we learn a lot more from suffering than we do through good times. And so God is always in the process of growing us. So, um... <clears throat> And as we think about this issue of um, having a proper response to um, what is going on in our lives and having a proper response to God, I wanted to share this story. A mother and her little four-year-old daughter were preparing to retire for the night. The child was afraid of the dark. The mother alone with the child felt fearful also. When the light was out, the child caught a glimpse of the moon and said, Mother, Mother, she asked, is the moon God's light? Yes, said the mother. God's light is always shining. The next question was, will God blow out his light and go to sleep? The mother replied, no, my child, God never goes to sleep. Then out of the simplicity of a child's faith, she said, she said that which gave reassurance to the fearful mother well, so long as God is awake, I am not afraid. No wonder Jesus said, except you become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. How often we allow fear of darkness, of failure, of suffering, of death to rob us of our sleep and of our joy in life. God's light never goes out. He is awake to our needs. And I think about that in the context of the story because these... Um, Brothers were afraid of Joseph. That was keeping them from the sustenance that they needed. And, um, of course, they didn't know who he was. 
Um, but they were afraid of him because of his prestige and his position, and he had spoken sharply to them uh, before. I'm not exactly sure why he took that tactic. I think, again, I think he was just trying to see how much their um, character had changed and, and say, have you learned some lessons from this? Or, um, did, you know, how is it uh, working in your life? to change you. And, um, all right. So, so now we have this situation where Joseph and his brothers are together. And so our third point is peace offered and prevalent questions asked. You know, Joseph continues to be a good question asker, um, even in this passage. And so, Genesis 43, 23 to 29, it says, And he said, Peace be unto you, fear not, your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I hid your money, and he brought out Simeon unto them. And the men brought the men into Joseph's house, and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave their asses provender, and they made ready at noon to present against uh, the present against Joseph came at noon, for they heard they should eat bread there. And Joseph came home, and they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house, and bowed themselves to the earth. Remember, now they're bowing again to the earth. And he asked of their welfare, and said, Is your father well, the old man of man of whom you spake? Is he yet alive? Again, he wants to know about his father, because... He hasn't seen his father in ages, and they had a close relationship. And they answered, The servant, thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive, and they bowed down and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And they said, And he said, God, be gracious to thee, my son. So again, we see um, God, We see that Joseph is asking pointed questions and then he gives a blessing to Benjamin. Um, and part of me wonders if Benjamin might have known before the other brothers what was, a little bit of what was going on because later we'll find out that he um, treats Benjamin in a special way. But... It's interesting that um, we just see that they came in with all this fear and then Joseph is basically treating them um, like, like royalty, treating them very nice, asking them very important questions, and then gives a blessing to his brothers. So it's totally different from what they were expecting. Um, and I... I just find that very interesting. Um, again, everything that Joseph does here seems to be uh, very specific and um, with intent. And uh, I just, I really resonate with um, what is going on in this passage. And so, as we move on, 
to, um, well, as we look at this section, I just think it's interesting how um, Joseph starts out, they're, they're afraid, and he, he speaks peace to them. And I think about, um, a lot of times people make parallels between Joseph and um, Jesus. And I think about how Jesus was that way. That people had done all manner of evil against him. Peter had denied even knowing him. And, he, and the disciples had all forsook him and fled. And yet his first words to them after rising from the dead is peace be unto you. And of course we know that he took Peter aside on his own and brought him and restored him. So I, I, I feel like this is kind of what is happening on a gradual basis um, in Joseph, is that, that he's restoring his brothers um, as we gradually go along. And I wonder if, by way of cross-reference, we could look at... Um, Let's see, Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18. Romans 12, 17 and 18. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So, again, this is something that Joseph is doing. Now, of course, um, he had kept Sibian in, in prison while they were gone. But now that they're back, he brought Sibian out. They're having this time together. And he, he is blessing them in, in so many ways. Giving food for their cattle. Giving them food. Washing their feet. All this stuff is, is signs of... Um, signs of respect for the brothers. And, uh, of course, then they bring him a present. And again, he asks about his family. Um, continuing to ask those important questions to know how they would be answered so that he would know how um, to react. And I just think this story of Joseph is a great reminder to us to not render evil upon others for the evil they do to us um, and to live peacefully with all men. You know, I'm often convicted about the fact that we, we, we want to seek God's forgiveness for our own actions, but when it comes to forgiving others, it's very difficult for us to do. And I still wonder how God communicated with Joseph during that time because you don't read about uh, God being very, you know, God's Holy Spirit being on anyone um, or on very many people at that time. But we, we kind of know that it was because we've already established that the, that the Pharaoh said the Spirit of God is in you. And that's why I'm selecting you for this role. 
Um, but we don't know much about his personal relationship with God. We just know that it was strong and real. Because when he when he talks to when he talks to Potiphar's wife, he said, I can't do this great sin against God to be with you. And when he talks to um, his brothers, he acknowledges the goodness of God. So I think it's a good reminder to us that even in the trials of life, we can acknowledge the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I have been preaching through Psalm 107 at Rest Haven lately, and one of the common refrains there is, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And in Romans chapter 1, we read that one of the ways that the Romans, the society that Paul is writing to, when they went away from God, when they started doing these despicable, sinful acts, one of the first things it says was that they failed to be thankful to God. And I think that Joseph was able, in some supernatural way, to be thankful to God in whatever circumstance he found himself. And that's why he was effective. So, to review, we have had, uh, we've talked about a tough decision and a promise for point one. We've talked about restrained excitement and genuine fear. Um, excitement on Joseph's part, fear on the brother's part. We've talked about peace offered and prevalent questions asked. Joseph is offering peace to his brothers. And um, then we see um, him asking specific questions about his family, even though they don't know it's them. And our final point is forbearance of Forbearance of feelings and friendly fellowship. Um, and so we will see in the final part of this uh, passage that Joseph gets overwhelmed by the fact that his brothers are there. But for some reason, he decides to delay telling them who he is. But in... Uh, Chapter 43, verse 30, we read, And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep, and entered into his chamber, and wept, and washed his face, and went out, and refrained himself, and said, Set on bread. And they set on for him by himself, and for them by themselves, for the Egyptians which did eat with him by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for this is an abomination unto the Egyptians. So even though they were eating in a similar area, they had to eat at separate tables, because they weren't allowed to eat together. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men marveled at one another. So yet another subtle hint, that Joseph knew, knew what he was doing. He had a specific reason for doing it, but they were clueless. They did not pick up on any of his clues. Um, and he 
took and sent messes unto them, but Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. So they're having this time with Joseph at meat, and uh, they're feeling better about themselves because they brought the brother, they got Simeon back. Um, he said, don't worry about the money because God gave it to you. So uh, things are looking up for them. But we're going to see another chapter of the story next time we uh, go to Joseph. And it will be a little while because when I, I'm, I'm speaking here again in January and we will be dealing with 2 Samuel chapter 9 at that point. But right now we're going to leave them at this banquet and we will find out what happens at a later time. But what I want to leave you with tonight is this. That God, speaking spiritually now, if you are experiencing famine in your spiritual life, if life is empty, if you don't have anything to live for, if you're not sure what to do, or even as a Christian, if you're struggling with your life and not... and Sensing a lack of direction, the only answer is God. The, the children of Israel, had they not gone to Egypt, they would have starved. They knew where the grain was. They also knew what they needed to do to get the grain. They had to bring their brother Benjamin with them in order to get their grain. Because they would not be able to see Joseph's face without him. An application for us is that we need to do business with God and get right with the Lord Jesus Christ. And how we do that, just like um, Mike told us this morning, you need to accept the gift of eternal life. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's already been bought and paid for. Paul said that if anyone adds to this gospel... Other than what I have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's how serious it is to preach the whole counsel of God. Nothing more, nothing less. If we try to come to God on our own terms, we'll fail. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you get to heaven, God's not going to ask you, how good you were, how many good works you did. He will, he will weigh your good works. He will reward you based on your works. But his main question to you is, what did you do with my son? What, what, why should I let you into heaven? And the only answer that is worth giving is that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. As intimidating as it was to go before Joseph, a mere man, though he was the governor of Egypt, how much more intimidating it will be to face holy and righteous God one day. I'll probably be much like John in Revelation who 
fell at his feet as dead. But remember, Jesus touched John on his shoulder and said, Stand up, for I am he that liveth and was dead, and I hold the keys to eternal life. Praise God that we serve the one who lives and was dead and lives again forevermore. And uh, I, I pray that you will trust him because the treasures that he has to give you is so much better than grain in Egypt. It's so much better than silver and gold. We, we were not purchased by silver and gold and things that perish, but by the incorruptible blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story in the life of Joseph. We thank you for the lessons that you're teaching. We thank you for the fact that you have allowed us to see in Joseph an example of someone who um, did not render evil for evil, but rendered good for evil. Someone who understood the big picture, who realized that he was able to deliver his family out of famine, And as a result, the children of Israel still are alive to this day. And Lord, we believe that you can sustain us in that way. Lord, you've said that we should pray for our daily bread. And you've shown us in many ways, both in scripture and other stories, like the story of David Brainerd today, how you provide for the daily needs of those who trust you. And often you do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And so, to the same God that delivered the children of Israel out of famine, I ask that if there be anyone here that has not passed from death to life, that you would deliver them tonight, that you would cause them to trust you, that you would move on their hearts in such a way that they can't say no, because the gift of salvation is so much greater than any other gift they could ever possess. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word, and I pray that it will go forth in power and accomplish that which you have for it to do. I ask that you would now go with us to our separate places, that you would make your face shine upon us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.